From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Let's bow our heads and let's pray and then let's get into the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you're still doing, for all that you've done. Lord, we just celebrate the good things that are happening through the ministry here at this church, God, and the giving of people, Lord. We just praise you for that, Lord, in the midst of hardship, God, that you are offering hope, and Lord, you're reaching. And Lord, we know, and I know, there's still a lot of people that are dealing with some heavy stuff in this time, and so I pray in Jesus' name, would you just, would you just allow your hope and your joy to penetrate their circumstance, Lord? I pray that your peace that surpasses understanding would guard their hearts and thinking, Lord, as we look at your word today, help us to be open to the things you wanna say, what you wanna do in our lives, and let us be transformed by it. And I pray that we would leave here with new perspective, God, and, and refreshed hope in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. And uh, we've been walking through the book of Mark. We will continue the book of Mark until Easter, and then we start a new series after Easter. I know it's been literally about a year we've been going through Mark. Um, here's a sermon in the line. What you believe about the future determines how you live today. What you believe about the future will determine how you live today. So let's read it together. Mark chapter 12, verse 18. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children... The man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married and widowed, but he also died leaving no children. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the burning bush how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken." You know, I've conducted more, more funerals in my time as a pastor than I have weddings. And I'll never forget my first funeral. My first funeral, I was part of this church and a family came to the church. They reached out to us, asked if, um, if a pastor would come and not do so much a funeral, but a committal service. It was a committal service. Did you come and perform a committal service for us? And they weren't connected to the church. You know, they, they weren't a part of the church. They just wanted a pastor to come, do the thing, and then go. So they didn't give any information, didn't share any details. And for whatever reason, my church at the time decides to put this on the 25-year-old youth pastor who's never done anything like this before. And so here I am like, uh, okay. And so I go to my lead pastor. He helps me kind of get started. And I put together this committal service, you know, get, get the suit on, go to the grave site. You know, this is, this is a really hard time for many people, right? This is a really difficult time. And so I go there and the family shows up and it's very clear immediately that they're not churchgoers. They're, they're not followers of Jesus and they're not sad at all. Like, 
In fact, there was no sense of grief. There was no sense of loss. And I soon learned that the person that passed away didn't just pass away, passed away over a year ago and they were just moving the remains. And so here I am thinking that would have been really good news to know before I came as a guy who's never done this before to do one of these. And so here I am and I share my, my scriptures and I share some thoughts and I pray with them. And, and then they let out some balloons and they you know, share some funny stories. And then they say these vague pleasantries about life after death. He's no longer suffering. He's in a better place. You know, he's reunited with the family. He's on the boat fishing. And I've heard these kind of things everywhere. I've heard them in the church, out the church, Christian or not. And it almost appears to be like this hazy, spirituality that uses Jesus as a means to an end, just to fill in the gap there. And what strikes me is it's not so much that I didn't believe what they were saying. It says, I don't believe that they believed what they were saying. Because so many people that say these things, these vague pleasantries about the, the afterlife, live life with a belief that there's no afterlife, right? There's no genuine conviction about what happens after you die. And if there is, it's either misinformed, it's not grounded biblically, and even if it is, it doesn't impact the day-to-day -day life. But what you believe about the future determines how you live today. What you really believe about what happens after you die determines how you live. Even within the church, there's a lot of disagreement about the end. Even within theological communities and denominations, there's a wide range of opinions. And this isn't new. It isn't new at all. And in the text we have today in the scripture and the gospel, um, this encounter that Jesus has, he's being challenged again. But this challenge is not political. It's theological. It's spiritual. It's what happens at the resurrection. What does eternity look like? And if we're honest, I think a lot of people are curious about that. What does the end look like? What does it really mean? And we don't have a lot of, we could do a whole, I should do a series. Yeah, I just decided I'm gonna do a series one day on this because we need to do that. But we have this question, what, what happens at the resurrection? And if anybody has an answer, if anybody um, has true knowledge about the subject, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, because if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, then he's God incarnate. He's God coming in the flesh, right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God stepped out of eternity. Jesus stepped out of eternity into time, which is really hard for us to wrap our brains around because we are in time. He stepped into time to live, to teach, to, to suffer, to die, to rise again. And then he stepped back into eternity. So if anybody has authority on the subject of what happens after life, it's the man who's been in all eternity, right? He, did, he wasn't just taught it. He, it wasn't revealed to him. He, wasn't, he didn't sit in you know, a service one day. He didn't read some texts. He's lived it. He is it. Jesus has authority on the subject. And so they come to Jesus challenging him about the resurrection. And it's this group that um, we haven't spent too much time talking about um, called the Sadducees. We haven't uh, heard much about the Sadducees in the book of Mark up until this point. And in the church, where there's not a lot of conversation surrounding the Sadducees because there's not a lot of interactions. More often than not, we're talking about the other religious group, right? The, the Pharisees, right? We're talking about them. But this is the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were a group of upper-class affluent priests. They were like cultural elites. They were the wealthy religious class. But theologically, 
they only believed in the Torah. They only believed that the Torah was the inspired word of God. And the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So they disregarded the other 34 books of the Old Testament. They didn't, they didn't um, hang on to the history of kings, the major and minor prophets, wisdom and poetic literature. They disregarded all of it. They didn't hold to the whole Hebrew Old Testament Bible. They also didn't follow the Mishnah, which was a collection of oral uh, Jewish traditions around the Old Testament that most Jews followed at the time. And because of that, they didn't believe in a resurrection. That's right. They didn't, you didn't hear that if you were online, but there was a hey, hey, hey in here. Because of that, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Now, what is the resurrection? The resurrection is the future end of time eschatological event where Jesus returns to bring the dead back to life, some to eternal judgment, some to eternal life. Listen to this. The resurrection is what happens after heaven. The resurrection is what happens after heaven. You guys stay with me. Lock yourselves in. Hang on. We're going to get there. The first five books of the Bible don't mention much about the resurrection, not explicitly at least. And the modern day evangelical line of thinking about heaven and hell um, wasn't, you know, the, the biblical authors didn't follow along with that, especially Moses. And so if, if all you had was the first five books of the Bible, you would believe that this life is all there is. You would believe in what the Sadducees believe. Now, there are some other ancient writings included in the Apocrypha that state there is there is nothing more than this. Now, if you don't know what the Apocrypha is, the Apocrypha are other ancient writings. You'll find them in the Roman Catholic Bible um, that we don't believe is inspired or authentic, or not, sorry, not authentic, but uh, authoritative. And so they're not included in the canon of Scripture. But they often share stuff that allows you kind of to dip into the mind of some of the people in those times. And so here's one such writing from what's called the Wisdom of Solomon. It says this, Short and sorrowful is our life, and there is no remedy when a life comes to its end. And no one has been known to return from Hades. For we were born by mere chance, and hereafter we shall be as though we had never been. Come, therefore, let us enjoy the good things that exist. Let us make use of creation to the full as in youth. Let us take our fill of costly wine and perfumes and let no flower of spring pass us by. Let us crown ourselves with rosebuds before they wither. Let none of us fail to share in our revelry. Everywhere, let us leave signs of enjoyment because this is our portion and this is our lot. So what does this sound like to you? John Mark Homer, a pastor and writer, says that this is the ethos of today. This, this is secularism. This is eat and drink for tomorrow we die and there's nothing more. This is what our culture lives and believes. This is what a lot of Christians live like. This is life is all there is. So let's make money. Let's eat good food. Let's have good drink. Let's shop and let's just enjoy life. And here's the thing. This is not new thinking. This is not just 2021, right? This is not just, you know, postmodernism at, at its finest. Like this, this line of thinking was in the time of Jesus. It was in the time before Jesus. This was the line of thinking of the Sadducees. They didn't believe in life after death. This was all it was, so live life full. So they come to Jesus with a question about the resurrection. They present this hypothetical scenario to Jesus to trap him. 
Now, resurrection for the, for the ancient Jew was hope. It was more than just a coming back to life. That is what it is. But for them, it was hope that, that the oppressor wasn't going to get the last word, that, that, um, uh, that the God was not done with the Israelites. So in Ezekiel, the prophet, if you know the story, um, the prophet is taken by God, Ezekiel chapter 37, to a valley of dry bones in a vision. And the, God says to prophesy over this valley of dry bones. And so the dry bones, as he begins to speak, he proclaims life and they begin to have flesh restored on them. Life is breathed back into them. They come back to life. Now in context, that scripture, that, that, that vision, that prophecy meant the resurrection of Israel from captivity. So Israel in the Old Testament, the people of God were taken into captivity, taken into exile by a nation called Babylon. And for them, it was a kind of death. So a prophecy like this meant the resurrection of Israel. It was hope for them. Now, over time, the belief in the actual resurrection of the dead came and grew as the prophets began to prophesy. Daniel prophesied about it. Isaiah prophesied about it. In the Psalms, it's prophesied about. And with that in mind, they began to see all, um, they began to see resurrection in all the stories, the kind of key stories that they had been taught for centuries and centuries. Noah and his family were delivered from the flood. It was a sort of resurrection. It was a deliverance from death, right? Um, uh, Joseph from the pit, the Israelites out of, out of slavery, Daniel from the lion's den, the three friends from the fire furnace, the Jews from Haman's plot. All the stories began to point to God's ability to deliver from death. And so resurrection really became this powerful, hope-filled event for the Jew. People who believed in the resurrection in a future time event returning to life at the end would do things that other people wouldn't do. They'd do more risky stuff, like going to war for freedom. It was a powerful thing. It was dangerous. It had implications for the future to what really mattered and what really didn't. And the Sadducees not only didn't believe it, they didn't like it. It was a threat to their way of life because they liked life. So they come to Jesus and they quote from the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 25, a law, an Old Testament law from Moses that if a husband dies without giving his wife a son, then the brother of the husband has to take her as, as his wife and the first son that they have together would carry on his, the dead husband's name. And this sounds really crazy to us, but 4,000 years ago, this would have been incredibly helpful because women at that time would have been left with absolutely nothing, literally nothing. And so they pronounce this, or they come to Jesus, present this crazy um, scenario where seven brothers, none of them have given this woman an heir, and then she dies. So they say to Jesus, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Seven were married to her. What they're really thinking is, we got you. This crazy, foolish idea of the resurrection, what are you going to do now when you have a scenario like this? It's, to them, it was, it was foolishness. And sometimes we can think like that. I don't know if you've ever thought like that when, with ideas and teachings that the church will teach. Like, how can they believe that stuff? Maybe, just maybe, there's something you're not seeing, just like the Sadducees couldn't see. So Jesus replies to them. He says, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? Like, that's like a crazy flex moment for, for Jesus. It's like a mic drop moment, right? Like, boom. Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? Now, these people are well-educated in the Torah. 
Like they're experts in it. This is like saying to a rocket scientist, you don't know rockets and you don't know science. Have you not read the thing that you've been studying all your life? He continues, he says, when the dead rise, here's what he says first, when the dead rise. The first thing that Jesus says is when, not if. He reveals to them that the resurrection is an event that will take place. When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will become like angels in heaven. Now this part, we gotta pause here because this is really easy to misinterpret. Jesus is not saying that as believers, we will become angels when we die. We don't become this disembodied spirit being that grows wings and kind of watches over and becomes messengers of God, right? You know, we have to get in out of our head this kind of Hollywood idea of, of the afterlife where heaven is a place we, we, we go to and we're all sitting on clouds and everyone plays the harp because that's the only instrument that's there on the golden streets. And, and if you think I'm silly in saying that, most people, and you probably thought it, when you picture heaven, you have that scene in your head. It's kind of like that Cupid and pearly gates open up, you know, and ooh, because we see that in, in movies and we see that in pictures and that becomes the picture of heaven for us. Now, truth be told, heaven is the place that you go to when you die as a believer in Jesus. The Bible says this, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that is not the resurrection. That is not the resurrection. That is not for all eternity. You're messing with my head here, pastor. Resurrection is what happens after heaven. It's what happens here on earth. It's what Revelations chapter 20 to 22 talk about. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about, he says that at the resurrection, we will have a body it's a little bit different. It's a spiritual body. It's glorified, it's, but it's physical, right? One, one pastor put it this way. He says, the body we have now is animated. It's natural. It's functioning because the heart organ is pumping blood. But the resurrection body, it is animated as well by the spirit of God himself. So Jesus is alluding to the Pharisees that the resurrection is more than just a continuation of life as we know it. It's not just you open a door and you step into the other side and life continues on. It's, he's alluding to, to the fact that the resurrection is transformation. It's the rebirth of all creation. It's Eden, the Garden of Eden restored. And it sounds like there won't be marriage. It says they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. One commentator put it this way. He says, resurrection is comparable to angels because its great purpose and center is communion with God. Listen, I have no doubt that Jody and I, my wife and I, will know each other, but I don't think we'll be married. <clears throat> I'm not saying we're gonna sign a divorce certificate, but, but we will have something so much better and so much deeper as people. It's, it's not that the relationships are gonna go away, but the relationships are going to get deeper. There is a community and a communion that happens that is much deeper than the marriage relationship. There would be no need for marriage. Marriage was, was designed for humanity to fill the earth and subdue it, but at that point, that's done. That's a Genesis reference. Jesus is essentially saying to the, to the Sadducees, your entire vision of the resurrection is off. And what you think about the future is all wrong. And we can be like that. We can fabricate ideas about eternity based off of ideas and not the Bible. 
Or we kind of take the Bible a little bit, we take what so-and-so said, and we take some of these ideas and we mash it all together into this thing we called heaven, and it's kind of this mishmash of, of everything just put into like a boiling pot. And we, and we do this thing. And Jesus doesn't end there with them. He says, now about the dead rising, have you not read the book of Moses? He's saying, have you not read the thing you've been studying your entire life that you're experts in? And he says, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Not just off. Hey, that's a little off. Let me correct you here. You are, you are wrong, he's saying. You are badly mistaken. And he doesn't say that God said to him, him being Moses, I was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He says, I am the God of Abraham. God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now for us, we might be feeling like Jesus and us were reading into things a little bit because couldn't he just say, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac and God of Jacob in some sort of past experience? You know, we, we feel like we could say those things, but to the Hebrew mind, to the ancient Jew, that would have been nonsense. That if he's saying this, how, you know, in some sense, these guys have to be alive. So, even Jesus is saying, even if the resurrection isn't explicit in the Torah, it's clearly implied. And Jesus is using this account of the burning bush to say that at his time, as he's reading this to them, and for us today, these guys, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive in what we call heaven. They're just not yet resurrected. They will be at the resurrection event and they will live on this earth. Why? Because God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Listen, our, our hope for the resurrection, for the, for the bodily existence, renewed life on earth, where God dwells, is grounded in the character of God. Not in just what he says, but in the character of God. He's the God of the living. I invite the worship team to come. And so he finishes with this last quote to the Pharisees. He says, you are badly mistaken. You are wrong. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God, his ability to resurrect and to transform the perishable to the imperishable, marriage into a deeper relational community. And they didn't understand the scriptures. And, and people in our world, many people in our world, followers of Jesus are off in what they think about the future kingdom. First, for many, it's that you live and you die and that's it. There's nothing more. You live, you die, that's it. And that was the, the Sadducees. Most of us would say we don't believe that, but many of us live like that. Many of us live like this life is all that there is, so let's enjoy it. We only got one shot at it. Let's do it. Let's have fun, because there's no tomorrow. That's what a lot of Christians live like. And I've said this in the past, it's no wonder why people don't want what we have, because we live no different. We live no different. We don't live like there's a resurrection. We worry about the same things. We get concerned over the same things. We live like we have no hope. We say there is, but we don't live in the hope. You know, we talk a lot about in, in church, 
the Pharisees and that religious group, right? Legalism and staying away from religiosity. And, you know, I just said it earlier. I was talking about being in the spirit and truth and leaning into relationship. But one pastor said this. He said, most of us don't lean into our inner Pharisee. We lean into our inner Sadducee. Because our problem is not so much that we're uber religious, it's that we live like there's no tomorrow. Now for others, particularly us in the church, as we think about the future not aligned with Jesus, Paul, and the authors of the New Testament, but we kind of have this mixed up view of heaven where it's this disembodied spiritual place we go to, I mentioned it earlier, we call that eternity. That you die and you go to heaven or you go to hell, and that's true, but that's door number one. That's door number one. There's another door. And the problem with this line of thinking of that you live, you die, you go to heaven or hell, is it creates a culture of church where people don't care about the earth. Where, where we don't care about it because we're gonna go leave it anyway, so why does it matter? And you can see that throughout history. Or, or people don't care about global, global poverty because it's all about souls. Yes, it is about souls. Or, or we don't care about vocation because we can't see any connection between what we do now and what we'll do forever. But if work was something that was instituted before sin entered the world, and it was, God gave Adam a job to do. It's not a result of sin. And if the whole story of scripture, the testimony of scripture is bringing us back to the Garden of Eden, what God originally intended, if resurrection life is life on a physical earth, it's, it's simple to say that it will be work. It won't be toil. It won't be meaningless. It'll probably be give life. But maybe that your, your desires and your talents and your abilities and the things that you're really good at will actually translate into eternal life. Like we're gonna need people with skill sets. We're gonna need trades. We're gonna need that. I heard one pastor say, the only people that aren't gonna have a job in eternity is pastors because you're not gonna need us anymore. Grass is still gonna grow. Things might still need to be repaired. Homes, right? I don't know. But we don't connect vocation to eternity because we think that this is just, there's nothing for that in eternity. And we don't live in our job as if I can bring glory to God and use this for his name's sake. Or we don't take care of our bodies and our health because we're just gonna leave our bodies anyway. Most people think of it as life, life after death, and heaven or hell, and that's it. There's another one. Life, life after death in heaven or hell, and then resurrection life. That's the Bible. That's in this. I'm not making this up. You know, I think sometimes people have a hard time with, with Christianity and faith and religion because they, they can't comprehend this Hollywood idea of, of eternity. And I can't either. But I can comprehend physical, textile, tangible, and resurrected life, it's more tangible for me. The New Testament puts emphasis on resurrection life, renewal, restoring what was lost, going back to the garden. So what is our response to this? What you think about the future has enormous effect on how you live life today.
We have a lot of people today that are, that like in this past year, today, literally today, are, are angry and frustrated and are fearful because of what's happening with the pandemic. But I think it's more, I wonder if it's more that, it, that this life is all there is for them. That we were so fearful of what could happen in this life because this is all we got. But for the believer, resurrection means hope. It, it means that there's more than just the now. So when, we, when we're faced with something that is extremely difficult in this life, like a pandemic, like government lockdowns, and it births all sorts of different emotions, we can say, yeah, it's okay. Because I have hope in something more. This is just a blip in it all. This is just a blip in eternal life. If I could get in your head that resurrection is a physical existence on a renewed earth, Revelation chapter 21, where God dwells, just like he dwelt with Adam and Eve. I feel like you would live with so much more hope and joy in today than you do right now. We wanna be people who live with resurrection in mind. We wanna be people who are shaped by the scriptures and the power of God. So that leads us with three things that I'm gonna pray. First is this, is we need to read and feed off of the word of God. We need to know the scriptures. We need to read the scriptures. We need to read the Bible. If this book is supposed to shape our life. We need to get into it. And there's no excuse for not as a follower of Jesus. There's no excuse. Oh, I've, you know, I'm really busy. Then you're too busy for God? You're too busy for Jesus? And listen, I've been too busy. I've said those things. There's days where it's difficult and it's hard. I'm not saying we're not human, but if we're gonna base our entire belief system off of a book that we believe God still speaks through and leads us through, then we better be in it or we might fall into the same trap as the Sadducees who were in error of the scriptures because they didn't know them and they studied them. Second thing is this, is we need to be people who actually know the power of God, who believe in the power of God, that if God can raise the dead, then he can raise life in your circumstance. Right? Like if we actually believed in the resurrection, and we, and we should because Jesus rose from the dead, right? He was in a glorified body. If we believe in that, then we should believe that he's capable of bringing power to our circumstance. COVID has nothing over Jesus. Lockdown, gray zone has nothing over Jesus. Health diagnosis has nothing over Jesus. Job loss has nothing over Jesus. Because if I truly believe in the power of God, I believe he can bring that power to my circumstance. The Sadducees were in error because they, they didn't know the scriptures and they didn't know the power of God and we could fall into that trap. We say it in church, we'll say it to someone else, but then we live our circumstance like we forget what we just said, right? If I believe in the resurrection, then it doesn't matter what happens because I have hope. Because my God can raise the dead. 
My God can raise the dead, people. And yours? My Jesus speaks to dead bones. Life. That's my God. Number three, and this might be for someone here, maybe it's for someone watching online. You just caught us and you stuck with us to the end is we need to believe in and follow Jesus because the Jesus who, who taught all this said that he was the only way to resurrected life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life that no one comes to the Father. No one gets the eternal place with the Father except through me. You go to the, the end of the story, the new heaven, new earth, there's, there's more to that. It says that there, there are those who do not believe and whose names are not found in the book of life will be raised and be placed in the lake of fire, which the Bible calls the second death. So the sad truth is there is a second life that's good, but there's a second death. We need to believe in Jesus. We need to make him Lord of our life. You don't get your name in the book because you're a good person. Some of you are really great people. You do a lot of nice things, but that's not how you get in. And it's not like I got in, I did enough good things. There are religions that teach that. There are religions that teach that there are angels, literally. You know, you remember that scene in the, in the cartoons with the good angel and the bad angel, one's tempting the other, you know, one's saying, do this, and the other one's like, no, don't do that. You remember that, anybody? No, no, I'm alone. There are religions that teach that, that they're weighing out your good deeds versus your bad deeds, and the, in the end, you hope that your good deeds kind of are just a little bit above your bad deeds. We don't believe that. We believe in Jesus and the resurrection life that comes through Jesus. That is how we get our name and the book of life. So if that is you, make him Lord of your life today. Make him Lord of your life. For the rest of us, let us live life like there is resurrection hope. We need that today. We need that in March, 2021. We need that going into Monday. We need that going into gray zone. We need some resurrection hope. We need some hope. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, I say all these things and we speak all these things. Sometimes it's so hard to live these things. And Lord, I think of your word that says that with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Holy Spirit, would you give us the power and ability to live life with resurrection hope? Would you help us to understand the scriptures, to believe in your power, and to live like there is future hope? So I pray you speak to every person, God, within the sound of my voice, here or online or listening later. Lord, I pray you penetrate our hearts. You call us to salvation. Maybe there's somebody here, God, who's far from you, who doesn't believe in you, who hasn't committed to following you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray in Jesus' name, would you grab a hold of their heart and reveal this truth to them? Only you can do that. For the rest of us, God, strengthen us in the hope of the resurrection that what we face in this life is just this life, but there is so much more. Lord, we love you. God, we bless you. We honor you for your truth. We honor you for your spirit. We honor you for your love, for your power, for all that you are. In the name of Jesus. So it's not live and let die, 
It's live and let live because there's more to life and it's resurrection life. Hey, God bless you. Listen, if you need prayer, I'm here available for prayer. But I pray that this week as you head into a hard week, that you're blessed by that truth and that truth sets you free. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.